Hello and welcome to this episode of the Ranting Atheist Podcast. So we'll be listening to the final part of Obed's story. It's been a really engaging conversation and I hope uh, you've been enjoying it so far. So if you haven't listened to the previous two, please go back and listen to them so you get the full story. If you haven't subscribed up, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and other places you find podcasts, then check out the show notes for links you may find useful, including our Discord server. We'd love to have you there. So now let's go and listen to the rest of Obed's story. So when I was I go out, I was indoors and I had vowed that I'm not going to go back to Salvation Ministries because the church was toxic. So my sister was like, my sister had begun to attend this new church, Salvation Church. So we had just come to Pohakot. And she had also suffered a traumatic experience prior. So um, she got stabbed in the head and her car was stolen, right? Yeah. So her car was stolen, she got stabbed in the head, so we had to move house just to make sure that everything was safe. And two weeks after we move house, this thing is happening. So it was kind of a thing. So while she, so I think she started attending this church just a few weeks before she had this incident happen to her. So it was a it was kind of a thing. And then she moved to this church and the incident happened and the church was kind of like a support system and she fell in love with the church basically. And we're all like, okay. So she was like, oh yeah, this wonderful church. It's a wonderful church. So after my experience, I was like, okay, I'm going to go with you to your wonderful church. Mm -hmm. So I went with her. And this church was now the church that was, oh, it was encouraging like a rigorous Christianity, you know. Be like the Berean Christians. Study your Bible. Study this. Study that. Don't take what the church said. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was like, okay, do you really mean that? Yeah. We're like, yeah. So, <laughs> I was, so I took to studying. I took to studying and as I began to study, I began to notice small, small issues within the text. And I was like, hmm, okay. So I'm like, okay, so yes, this church is promoting a rigorous type of Christianity, but maybe there's something here. So I still, uh, so I would share this with my other pastor friends and he'd be like, oh, 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 okay, don't worry, we'll see how we can think through it. And to be fair and to be honest, he was actually like doing a lot of like critical thinking with me when it came to the Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And 
I was like, okay, so we're doing critical thinking here and we would think very critically about stuff in that existed in the Bible and it was the whole thing, right? So I was no longer the blind faith type of guy. I was the eyes wide open type of guy. But here's the here's the funny thing that happened when I moved to this church, right? I found this girl, this very fine girl. God, this girl was fine. Jesus Christ. I found her. And I was like, God, you're so fine. So I walked up to her and I told her, you, you are fine. <laughs> and I was like, and she turned to me and she was like, okay. And she found out that I was in beauty and she was like, oh, sit down. We are definitely having a conversation. <laughs> and so we sat down, we were having this conversation and we began to talk about many things, like so many things. And she was like, oh, okay. Um, here's what you do. Take my number. We'll meet up. So we met up. We had photo shoots together. We did photo shoots. It was beautiful, amazing. And then... I would see that she would post on her status this podcast. It was called The Bible for Normal People. Mm. And I'll be like, that's a catchy name. <laughs> I'll be like, that's a catchy name. I wonder what it's about, you know. And I I would listen to the Bible for normal people. And I list the first time I listened, right? I saw that, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. So all the issues I'm noticing in the Bible, other people are noticing them as well. Mm -hmm. I'm not crazy. So I, so one day in church, I told her like, yo, I listen to the Bible for normal people. And here's what I found out. And she was like, shh. Mm. Don't worry, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about for real. Loud and exactly. And so one day we were um our church was moving venue. So we were well we were both she was the head of like the unit and I was somewhere in the church, <laughs> a member of the unit and so we went to like the new venue and we're scouting, you know, just looking around stuff. And so after we were done, we sat down and she was like, okay, now let's talk. And we got talking and it was so interesting. When she found out that I was effeminate, right? Uh, she, well, she didn't find out it was pretty obvious. But yeah. I, in my first year in university, I had done like a hormone count and I saw that I had like really, really high estrogen levels. And so I told her about this and how this had like impacted me personally. Yeah. And her, oh, I didn't even talk about my, um, the saga with the hormone count and my asinocoital um, thing hmm? uh, <laughs> I, I will talk about that okay. oh I think it is um, it is Greek 
but I'll come to that. So I told her about this and she was like, oh, you listen to the Bible for normal people, yeah? So she recommended this episode, the Bible and the intersex. Mm. I was like, what? Bible and what? Mm. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go listen to it. And you know, the Bible for normal people is very, very academic. Very academic. Okay, it's, it's not it's like, like yeah, group, but it has academic inside. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I went and listened to the Bible for normal people. And I was like, I've listened to that episode and I was like, whoa, what do you mean? What do you mean by all of this? <laughs> you mean this term eunuch hmm. doesn't just mean people whose dicks were cut off? I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, oh, me too. I, I, mm-hmm. I think their dicks were cut off. Me too. I'm like, ah. Exactly. That's what I saw all the time. And I was like looking at the different ways that these things were explained in the Bible. And I was like, what? It's like, okay. So this is, so I went and I binged all 200 and something episodes of the Bible for normal people. What? And I was like, yes. (laughs) Yes. When I find a podcast I love, I binge it like that. And I was like, what? This is wild. So we don't have to take the Bible literally. Right? We don't. So there's something called a descriptive reading of the Bible. I was like, oh, so there are people who are Christians, but their Christianity exists outside of the Bible. I was like, what the hell is this? What's going on here? And that was when I learned that actually there's a huge difference between the Catholic faith and the Protestant faith. And the Protestants basically idolize the Bible. And the Catholic faith is much more different. And I was like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Keep blowing my mind. And you know, prior to this, I had dealt with, um, I've forgotten, uh, what's the name of, what's that scripture? I've forgotten. But it basically says, know ye not that the adulterer, the idolater, the yeah, this, the that, and it now says the KJV renders it the feminist. Is it romance? No, it's not romance. Okay. I think it's First Corinthians. Is it the body of death no, the people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me put it up. I always have it somewhere in my olive tree. Mm. Um, mm. You know how easy it is to find that the moment you search effeminate on olive tree, oh, it will find it. In fact, it's only one occurrence that shows up. Yeah. yeah. So, First Corinthians six nine. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so first Corinthians 6 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, 
neither fornicator, nor I nor idolater, nor adulterer, nor effeminate, nor hmm. abuser of themselves with mankind. And then verse 10 goes on to list nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, extortioners, all of that. Right? Yeah. So it's basically like a whole laundry list of people who would not. So for a long time, even when I was in salvation issues, this scripture here was in my head and it was playing a huge role in my Christianity because I was basically doing all the, like doing five services, doing, in fact, when we had seven services in Salvation Mission, I was doing seven on Sundays. Imagine doing five in the morning and two in the evening. Oh I was doing that. And then this scripture was at the back of my head, right? And I was like, okay, so all these things I'm doing here, no heaven for me, no heaven like this. <laughs> Are you not like the wow. Christian? The Christian believes that every that you must go to heaven. Heaven is right? the goal. Heaven is the goal, my dear. I know heaven for me like this, but see all the things I'm doing in church. So I was like, okay, no problem now. Who am I to question God, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we go, okay. So I, then I met, and this was the guy who, um, my friend, Lawrence, who um, invited me for the movies. This was one of the things I handled with him. And I kid you not, this guy sent me like almost a hundred translations of the Bible just because of this one scripture. And we went through all of them. And I told him like, we can't find anything. Like, I'm still not convinced. So we have to go and look at the Greek, right? And we discovered that it was the word, it was rendered the word asinokoitai, right? So if you're translating asinokoitai, you'd most likely translate it as people who have anal sex. So the receptive partner in anal sex, right? Oh, okay. Well, here's the thing, and here's where I made the mistake. It was not asinokoitai, or abusers of themselves with mankind, right? That's asinokoitai. The word, the, the word that was rendered effeminate is the Greek word malakoi, right? So malakoi is the receptive partner in anal sex. So, and it is, and when you think about uh, Greco-Roman frameworks and Greco-Roman culture, you generally realize that Effeminity is a good rendering, right? Mm. But at the time, I had gone with the narrative of what had settled it in my mind was that, oh, it was rendered effeminate, therefore it was just, uh, mm, it was a mistranslation, it was talking about gay people. So if I just abstain from gay sex, I'm, I'm, I'm good, right? <laughs> But when I looked at it with more adult lens, I was like, no, that's what Paul meant. 
That's exactly what should be there. Effeminate. The King James got it right. And I was like, okay. So while this thing had become a problem for me before, now when I thought about it, because I had gone through, um, I had been trained by the Bible for normal people, I now viewed this differently. I was now viewing it as, yes, that's what Paul meant. Or <laughs> why should we take the Bible literally? Mm. Why? Okay, you're not going to. This was what I got from the Bible for normal people, and this is why I till tomorrow I adore Pete Ends and Jared Bias. Lovely, lovely people, amazing people. Pete Ends is a biblical scholar, Jared Bias, same. It's just, and in fact, they made me understand the difference between biblical scholarship and apologetics. It's two different worlds. And I was looking at these things and I was like, okay, so what other mysteries lie beneath this text, right? What other things would I get? And this was where my interest in biblical scholarship sparked, right? Just from this, from knowing this. But I had... I was very, very, after my kidnapping, I also became very, very fervent with God because I had moved to this new church and it was more like, this is a new Gen Z kind of Christianity. Mm, yeah. So I was taking on that <laughs> liberal in quotes kind of Christianity. So I was having like programs in school, having like fellowships in school and I was basically like almost a thought leader kind of figure, right? But the thing was, the thing was, the more I began to increase in like influence, I also began to take a more critical approach to the Bible. And it also became because I started, people started coming to me and, oh, by the way, after my kidnapping, I decided that I was in my fuck the world era and I, I started wearing makeup to school. <laughs> oh God, it was so funny because I was show up at school with half my face covered in glitter and it's not even basic makeup. I'm coming on with full editorial glam. I'm like, mm -mm, this is not, this is, <laughs> you can't talk to me anyhow because look at my beats, look at it. This is a diva here. And, nice. but I discovered that I was also being, mm -hmm. so I discovered that people were beginning to look up to me as well. People were looking up to me and seeing me as some type of figure that was um, supposed to, a thought leader kind of figure. So I would have young gay men come meet me Right, and they would call me, me and tell me, Yo, here are you, right? And you're not even 
you're you're living your best life, right? You're Christian. Mm. You're laying the groundwork for a lot of these fellowships in school, right? You're acting like, oh God. So in school, I started this thing with my friend, Eden. So Eden, I don't think anybody, any school campus um, ministry had the impacts that Eden had, you know? Eden was such an experience. And but the thing was, people would come meet me like, you, look at you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> look at you. Look at this. Like, what's going on? How do you manage? And they will bring the scriptures on homosexuality in the Bible, the ones that are troubling them. And I would try my best to explain these things. To them and you know I was like uh, I think eventually I started watching and because my training in school I began to take my training in school very very seriously my training in media theory so I began to apply this media theory lens to the church I was in right and I began to deconstruct the church that I was in through this media theory lens. Hmm. And then I was saying that, okay, this is control right here. Religion, this is control. And I would take this media theory lens and like deconstruct other churches and I would see the same thing. Right. So I could tell that there was heavy control going on. So it it changed my mind from believing that, oh, it's just one church. It's a church issue. So you just change church and it goes away. Yeah. So it's an issue with religion in general. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. So I see where this is going. So I think I began to think about religion and ideate around religion. And when I began to do this, I began to see how everybody's Christianity on an individual level, right, was very different. Mm -hmm. Everybody's Christianity was very different on an individual basis. And I took that same lens I was using to look at the individualistic Christianity and I began to look at denominations as well and I saw that these denominations were also different and somehow, somehow they came from the individual and I was like okay, so could it be that I now decide to ask questions about God, you know Hmm. and I saw that everybody's God was different. No two people had the same God. Mm-hmm. And then I actually said, okay, so this God looks like, he looks like us. This God is very anthropomorphic. Mm-hmm. He's very anthropogenic, in fact. And I said, oh, wow. If this God is this God looks like the most ideal version of you. Nailed it. And 
I thought about it and I was like, could it be that we create our own God? <laughs> A million dollar question. Could it be that man-made God? And the moment I said that, I, I didn't even know that I said that out loud. <laughs> I said it out loud. And the moment I said it out loud, it hits me. And I just felt this deep pain inside of me because I knew it. I knew that there was no going back. There is absolutely no going back. I have lost it. And I was like, okay. And this thing caused me distress. I'm, I'm not like all the other people who... Um, I'm not one of those people who would deconstruct their faith and are happy to deconstruct. In fact, if I'm being honest, I don't think anybody is. I think deconstruction is a very solemn process. Oh, it's very, very solemn and lonely. It's a very painful process as well. If you are, and the more mm -hmm. committed you are, the more so painful. once I do... Exactly. So once I got to this point, I said, oh... Okay, so I've lost my faith. But then again, I went back to the Bible for normal people. And I saw that there were others like me who had come to this exact same point where I was. And I knew that it's not... I, even if I, if I want to hold on to my faith, I can hold on to it differently. It doesn't have to look like every other person's faith. I could hold on to it. That's when I decided that, you know what, I'm going to hold on to it as tradition because hold it close to my heart as something that was passed down to me from my ancestors. So I would hold it there and just keep it there just keep it in with me and through that i would that is how I relate with christianity so i'm i didn't take on the oh i am spiritual but not religious mm -hmm. time no i started telling people i am religious and people will hear me because i'm quite liberal and i don't even hide it Right, I don't yeah. even attempt to hide it. I don't attempt to hide anything. So people hear me speak, and when they hear me speak, they say, "Well, I thought you said you were religious." And I'm like, "Yes, I am. Yeah. I hold Christianity as tradition. I consider that religion." <laughs> and they would say, <laughs> "And they would say, I've never seen that type of religion. Your religion is so aware." I'm like, "Yes, it is." Mm -hmm. And all those things, you know, would just, it would just play out. And I think I've always loved the, I'm learning to make peace with the fact that I am here. I would never have the faith I had before. But what I can do is with what I have now, I can 
reconstruct. I can reconstruct, not even reconstruct the faith, right? But reconstruct a new personal ethos that guides me. A personal ethos that is healthy and that is subject to change because it's very, I think the problem with religion is essentialism. It is uh, rigidity, in fact. I think it's, I can build for myself now an ethos that can be wrong. I can tell myself, oh, this is wrong. This is not life-giving. This doesn't serve me or serve the people around me. And I can change it. Yeah. And I don't have to hold on to that cult-like essentialist notion of pastasis. Um, of what things should be like or what I should be like. I can be free. And once I came to this realization, I was like, oh, fuck it. Fuck it. And then I discovered you on Clubhouse. And when I discovered you, I <laughs> when I discovered you, I saw the entire deconstruction process alone. And uh, because I was going through it alone, well, I had my friend Rem, so she was always there. I mean, we have this space at the gallery, an art gallery in Potako. We call it the hallowed walls. That's mm-hmm. where we go to talk about life and to fellowship in court and being mm-hmm. communion with each other. Yeah. I had her, so even though she moved out of Bohaku, but we still maintain that connection. But I found you on Clubhouse. I've eye-opening, you know. It was more like you know, you know, when you go into a place, right, and you've heard so much about those people, and you're you come in, and everything you've heard is wrong. I had heard so much about atheists and I met you on Clubhouse. I came in contact with Nigerian atheists on Clubhouse and I was like, whoa, this is a community. And these people are a lot better than a lot of the Christian communities I'm coming from. These people... I mean, I see the way when um, stuff is happening on Clubhouse. I mean, I was in a room one day and someone was having a conversation in the the room. And I think some people were attacking him. If I do atheist. And I was, I looked in the audience, you were not there. And lo and behold, in a few minutes, there was ranting. <laughs> ranting had come to defend Nigerian atheists. <laughs> and I looked at it and I was like, wow, 
okay these people protect each other they protect each other they don't allow i mean i discovered nigerian atheists and nigerian atheists do not allow homophobic rhetoric like oh no 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 i'm like everybody's saying okay ranting might be sleeping (laughs) everybody say oh ranting might be sleeping but the moment he hears homophobia or transphobia or whatever it is any form of bigotry ranting is awake (laughs) and ranting will tear you to pieces and i was like oh my god this is so beautiful this is it this is a community and i remember there was this night where um after bible study after bible study we had um we shared songs remember (laughs) we shared songs and Continue, continue. Yeah, we, to come back to you. Glory, hallelujah. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. We shared glory. Mm-hmm. And I saw how we're having fun, and I was like, okay, so this is community. These people break bread better than most Christians do. That's fucking humans. Just in our life. So. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so that means everything and everyone in the world. And the moment you let go of the uh, lens, the lens of people are exactly your biases, the lens that people are bad, people are this, people are that you realize that there are so many people who are out there doing amazing things and who are good. The moment you let go of your biases, you begin to see the good people in the world and the good things in the world as well. And I think that was what happened to me when I came across Nigerian atheists. It was... It was wonderful. It was amazing. It was an experience. It was an epiphany. Mm. And I think I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you. And then I discovered your podcast and your podcast was amazing. It was a discovery. So I think I want to thank you for the work that you do, you know, oh, wow. and create. Thank you for creating community for people, you know, because the work I, that you do is so important. I, I do not it's answer. Important <laughs> because you literally make people feel safe. Well, I'm just I'm just saying, you make people feel safe. You provide community, you provide love, and <laughs> you provide inspiration for people. So the work that you do is actually very, very important. And I think everyone takes it very seriously because you're needed in the world. We'll, we'll keep doing our best. Keep doing you're our best. Very, very needed. We keep doing our best. Uh-huh. 
Yes, you will. Wow. But as a time, I don't even look time, sir. I just did this in the good. Uber, your story has been, as it, as it, I will just, uh, no, 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 it's, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, you know, when, when, with your own, when someone hears what you describe yourself as, but when you understand what it is, you be, this person is living reality, so it's, it's, that's why I always ask, like, what do you identify, do you, what do you call yourself, it's, are you living reality, that is what me, I'm concerned about, are you living the reality that we are sharing? That is that is the cocoa. So all these label of mm-hmm. it, are you living in reality? If I see blue color, are you seeing blue? Not that you're seeing red in Jesus' name or in whatever <laughs> that kind of thing. That's the real push of this. What's, what's, what makes me angry that we Nigerians are not just living. We are ah, we are lost in, in yeah, no, 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 it's, well, bro, your story has been amazing. Your, your journey, journey is, 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 is an, an epic one that, that both people will really, really learn a lot from listening to, especially, especially people that are going through similar, similar situations. Queer people. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't talk a lot about queerness. I didn't talk a lot about queerness. You, you, know? you talk about I you. you talk about your, I think your own my experience queer now. journey, even though, yeah, but I think my queer journey is one that is very, very complicated. You feel it takes it takes it takes a while to break it down for us. Well, no, it's just very simple. So at some point, I went through a sexual sexual revolution phase. And um, through all the times my parents were trying to deconvert me from homosexuality, Ah. they sort of pushed me into it. I don't know whether... (laughs) Sort of pushed me into it. Sorry for that, but I hope maybe... Maybe it's my ignorance. I dare what they call that. What they call that, that thing again? This uh, there's this stuff they do to to queer people. Um, ah, I forgot the name. They call it conversion to, therapy. Conversion, yes, conversion therapy. Do such exist in this country? Well, yes, conversion therapy exists. In fact, I have queer friends who went through even worse than I did. I mean, God, Jesus Christ. Fuck. I have some friends who spent days in churches, like people casting out the gay demon from Mm them. Yeah. And people casting out this gay demon with whips and lashes. That's what they always do now, beflogging them. Some they'll be burning, if it's a lady now, they'll burn candle on their head, and now after so someone will be burning candle on the head, and ah, it's mm-hmm. it's crazy what it bad. I mean, mine was just mine was just this woman psychologically trying to deprogram me from being gay. Mm, sorry, continue before yeah, I interrupted so you. Just, 
No, so I said mine wasn't as bad. It was just this woman trying to deconvert me okay. from being a, a deprogram my mind. You know? Psychological so warfare. It was just that. And I think it was, yeah, it was just psychological. And I just, I think when I really went into my sexuality was when I okay so not to sound um, not to sound um, coy or but I am a very fine person (laughs) (laughs) I am very very good looking (laughs) so I walk on the street and I do get a lot of attention so I, it was around this time getting all this attention that I did go into my, I did get into my um, sexuality and I did explore quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then after a lot of exploration, yeah, after a lot of exploration, I realized that I wasn't uh, into, I wasn't into um, sex. I wasn't very, I didn't really like sex. And I thought it was just, oh, it was just sex with men. But no, it was sex with everybody. Mm. <laughs> so I realized I was asexual. Oh, wow. That was... So, you know, sexuality is a very, very funny thing, right? You realize you're this, right? But then you now figure out some kind of attraction that is lurking somewhere beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I did, after figuring out I was asexual, I now figured out some kind of romantic attraction to men. I was like, what are you where are you coming from i thought i didn't like sex and i was like okay 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 so maybe i just didn't like sex but i could be romantically attracted to people and then i realized i was romantically attracted to everybody so i was like okay okay no problem we just (laughs) we just go with the flow and i remember when i told my parents i was ace i was asexual like there was the there was the almost relief relief because you're still queer God God is making progress how do you (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah but yeah I think now my family is in the place where they don't want to think about my sexuality too much I don't really want to think about it. And when, so the asexual thing, when they found out about it, they were like, oh, could it be because you suffered sexual, child sexual abuse? I was like, maybe, I don't know. They were like, okay, could it be that you suffered so much child sexual, sexual trauma that you became disinterested in sex? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know. Hmm. So, but this is what I found. This is what I am doing, and 
I don't give a fuck anymore. I don't give a fuck. So I think now I, all I just care about now is just living my best life, mm-hmm. having as much fun. I keep saying I want to live, love, laugh, learn, interact, everything. I want to do it all. Because you only get such a short time to be on earth, you know. Mm-hmm. And once you're done, you're done. And why would I spend this short time I have? Exactly. Once you're done, you're done. This is so true if you believe in an afterlife or not. It is final because you don't even know. You can't be sure whether you get an afterlife or no afterlife. You're just going to go on vibes and inshallah. Christians That's what you're going on. They're just gambling. So, what the hell? Live your life. They're just gambling. Obed, Obed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and it's... the thing is, they don't know that this gamble, yeah, you could literally just be living your life right now. Mm-hmm. Say that again. Oh my, this lag, this lag is crazy. Like, it's almost like three seconds. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, we're almost done. Okay, let's finish up. Okay, so how do you want to end? You are, say, you are saying something, finish your statement before we... We asked well, if we want us to find you. Oh, no, I did. I did. Uh, okay. I, I did finish it. I just said, death is so final, so live your best life now. And you're not even sure if there's an afterlife or not, whether, oh. you're, whether you're theistic or not. You're not sure of an afterlife, so just live your best life now. Oh, yeah. And the question, which afterlife self? Which which afterlife? Because there are many variations. Exactly. So live your life. Oh yeah. So where do you want to do you want us to find yourself online? Do you want to be found online? Mm, okay, so finding me online. Okay, so I've got a Substack, I've got a Twitter handle, okay. my Instagram is um, a ghost town at the moment, Instagram and threads. Oh, so, sorry, can we say Twitter? Is it X or Twitter? <laughs> oh, no. if you still know so, that Twitter, that motherfucker is, is still uh, Twitter or X, <laughs> or, or extra, maybe we change it to extra. I'm on it. Exactly. So whatever it is. Exactly. Whatever it is, Sha. Okay, so Substack, Twitter. <laughs> so whatever it is, you can find me at Obed Hillsham. Yeah, Obed Hillsham. Okay. Obed Hillsham. We'll, we'll put the links in the show notes. We'll put the links in the show notes. Yeah, Substack, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
all right Uber, thank you for sharing your story it's been it's been awesome listening to you sharing your experience with us your journey i really appreciate you coming on hope to have to hope to see more of you in, a, in another another episode Thank you for listening to this episode. Please subscribe up Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and other places you find podcasts. Check out the show notes for links you may find useful, including our Discord server. Would love to have you there. Have a great week, and I will catch you on the next one.